clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc. Eh. Eh. You ready for eh. fall? You ready for winter? You ready to be uh, wrapped up in a building and not be able to go anywhere? Not particularly. No? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a what an uplifting way to begin this episode. Well, you know, just, uh, it was something that was uh, kind of on my mind. I'm like, oh, winter's coming. That means you really, because you live in cold country. I'm not going to say where you live, because I don't want to follow it. Welcome back to the University of Pleasure, folks. We hope you are all doing well in these crazy, chaotic times. And as always, thank you to everybody out there that is doing everything to help keep us safe and keep us healthy. And we hope that uh, some of our episodes have been bringing you a little bit of pleasure, as the doc would say, because she gets so annoyed when I always point at her. We hope we have a little bit of pleasure. <laughs> it's my impression of you, by the way, when you do that. Thank what do you. Think? What do you think? It was so good. So, so good. accurate. So good. So accurate. That's yep. going to be on my gravestone. So good. So accurate. <laughs> Jeremiah James. <laughs> anyway. I don't feel like anyone would be like, Jeremiah James, somebody that really cares about being specific and right. <laughs> I'd be more like, Jeremiah James. He said what he thought was right in the moment. Don't check him out on it, you know? <laughs> don't quote me. <laughs> Well, we've got some fun in this episode. I think the doc has come up with something that is important for us to talk about, and so let's jump right into the deep end of the pool. Relax. Everyone is not having more fun than you. The complexity of comparison. Give us some knowledge on this. Come on. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think that this is one, you know, this is, such a common, I don't even know. I would say that I have had conversations regarding like people's struggles with comparison to others, particularly around their sex lives. Thousands, thousands of thousands times. and thousands, thousands of times. I mean, I don't, I don't go through a week without having conversations like this, at least on a almost daily basis. And so what are these comparisons like? I mean, are they just like thinking that other people are out there like living the dream, having the sexiest sex lives ever, and they're just like, I don't know, at home knitting or something like that? And Yeah, like, well, I mean, that could be one iteration of it. I mean, I think that people struggle around this in a variety of ways. I mean, generally, as humans, we compare, right? It's, it's like what we do. It's, I mean, to be fair it's part of how we survive right you know like <laughs> you can only we can only kind of understand our own experiences and behaviors relative to those of others right so sure. like from a survival from a survival mechanism you know it's useful to be like hey look that guy jumped in a fire and burned i won't do that you know <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, like we, we do learn through comparison and, you know, it's also something that actually helps us stay sane, you know? Right. So like, for instance, that's the reason that, uh, isolation is so harmful to people, right? Cause the more that people isolate, the less they can kind of engage in reality testing with other people, right? Let's so we all have like, you know, like anxious thoughts, like kind of like, what if this, right? What if I'm actually like, what if I actually sounded like a moron when I talked to my boss? And then, you know, you check it out with a coworker and they're like, you were fine. You Settle were down. totally great. Right? Like I totally, you didn't sound <laughs> but, weird at all. Yeah. And then somebody will share an experience like, oh, I totally did that. Right. And it'll normalize things. But if we're left alone with stuff too much or kind of privately in our mind with too much, that stuff can really spin out of control and it can start to feel super real. Yeah, right? but that also gets you into a lot of trouble, though, doesn't it? I mean, just, you know, it's like when people are talking about, like, looking online and, like, people on Instagram, they're like, My, their lives are so much better. Or yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say things like Instagram, Facebook, right? Like, social media has really... To double down right? like, <laughs> on like providing us opportunities to create in a comparison game. I mean, for a variety of reasons. I know people talk about this stuff all the time, but it is really relevant and especially starts to become relevant when we think about relationships and sexuality and how about, about how people feel about themselves as like a sexual person or a romantic person or desirable. But like, I mean, how many of us have like been on Instagram or Facebook for like an hour and then afterward been like, well, I feel terrible about myself. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I mean, I everybody's actually... doing so great, and I'm yeah. lame. Right. I mean, like, I don't know many people that are like, oh, I just spent three hours on Facebook, and are like, and now I feel really good about everything that I'm doing. Right. And, right. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel super confident. I feel super confident. I feel super great. Well, and, and part of the reason that it's so tricky, right, especially, I mean, we won't go and, I mean, like I said, people talk about this ad nauseum, so we won't keep going on about social media. But part, part of the reason that comparison in a space like that is also so tricky is because you're getting in an edited version of people's lives, right? Like you're not seeing all the behind the scenes difficulties or complexities of other people's lives. You're like seeing, you know, their beautiful portraits and they're like, oh, look at how much fun they're having. Like people aren't like po posting pictures of them in an argument and someone's crying with mascara. Running yeah, down you know what face, I'd like to do? Know? I like to try to always to help keep myself, you know, from not spiraling down that road is, you know, like that book, Everybody Poops, you know, like everybody does. You might be seeing the glossy thing over here. You might be seeing this like sexy photo shoot that somebody did, but everybody poops. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, if you just keep that little nugget of information from Jeremiah James in your back pocket, I promise you, you won't spiral as hard in the comparison thing because you're not seeing all the hard stuff. Am I right, Doc? Did I just give great advice or what? Can yeah, you we're, get, we're can we just talk the, about the fact that I brought up Everybody Poops, the yes. book, and how that can shape people's lives? I think I'm learning so much from you that I feel so confident that I could say something like, the book Everybody Poops keeps us all grounded. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it seems like you feel like you're learning so much from me that, you know, you'll just take over and <laughs> you know, do do the episode and decide what we're doing today. I mean, that's cool, too. <laughs> that, that's cool, bro. Like, hey. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Roll with it. <laughs> yeah. I'll just hang out. Yeah. Like cool. a lamp. <laughs> All right. Let's give some real advice now. Not that mine wasn't real because it was real. But let's let's talk about, like, what what can we do about this comparison issue, especially with sexuality? Well, I mean, I think. <laughs> Which, by the way, I never compare myself to other people's sex lives because mine is amazing. I mean, I, you know, it's it's so good 
at times that I think to myself, how luck you could stop me at any time. I mean, this was a really good joke, but you just are kind of looking at me like you're like. <laughs> I want you to finish your joke. I really need to. Do <laughs> I need to know if my skepticism is warranted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I apologize. I was only kidding. Continue. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I think first it might be helpful just to like, you know, think a little bit about like comparison and why we do it just generally, right? Yes, like, you know, like I said, like it is part of, you know, kind of how we understand ourselves and our behaviors in the world. And so there isn't, it's not like comparison's all bad, right? No, like not. it is helpful to certain degrees. Yeah. But I think when comparison goes wrong, right? Or when comparison creates difficulty for us, right? I think a lot of times, um, the difficulties that come up from that are us often not being aware of sort of the own biases, our own biases, right? So like the own are the errors in our own thinking, right? We have a lot of biases that we don't understand about ourselves, like psychologically, all of us, you, me, right? Like we have all these sort of biases that, you know, sometimes cause us to take in misinformation or process things in a way that aren't totally accurate. And I think being honest with yourself and being thoughtful about some of those biases is actually a really helpful way to like get through some of this, right? I think whenever we start to like lean into this idea of like this thought or this experience that I'm having is the ultimate truth and I'm not going to question it, right? Like that's when we start to have a lot of distress versus being like, maybe I should like check this out or like question this a little bit or be mm -hmm. a little bit reflective mm -hmm. around this, yeah. right? Because like, for instance, a really good example, like, is that when we feel insecure, like of a bias, right, is that when if we feel insecure or, um, you know, concerned about a particular thing, right, like, we have a tendency as human beings then to like, kind of, we often seek to confirm um, the beliefs that we already have, we seek to confirm that they're true without even realizing it, right? That's called confirmation bias, right? right. It happens in politics all the time, right? We've talked about it, I think, in other episodes. Yeah, we have talked about it, yeah. Right, where you, you know, if you have a certain set of belief systems, you tend to pay attention to the things that confirm those belief systems and ignore other data points, right? And that doesn't just happen, you know, in sort of like politics or things like that, that also happens in our personal lives, right? So if we have sort of a belief that everyone is out there having just like fun, amazing sex, or everyone out there is like, you know, having like, uh, is much, much better at relationships than we are, right? Then we're going to be biased to paying attention to information that supports that, right? So like, let's say somebody believes that um, they're not good, like, let's, yeah, that they're not good at having a relationship. Let's say that they're single and they're not feeling very good about it, right? And then they're on looking at Instagram or Facebook, right? They're going to be biased towards maybe overly focusing on all the pictures that they see of couples or in their personal lives, going to be paying more attention to all the couples they know. And they're going to maybe kind of be ignoring like other single people or thinking about those people that are now in couples that were maybe, you know, a friend that's in a couple who is single two years ago when that person was, you know, the person who's worried about it was actually dating somebody. Right. Does that make any sense? No, 100 percent did. So basically what you're actually talking about are the lyrics to the song Jessie's Girl, right? So I wish that I had Jessie's Girl. I wish, you know, look how great she is. And, you know, maybe I'm comparing and contrasting. And what do you think? I mean, I think what a sweet Rick Springfield. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's just saying that, right? That Rick was, yeah. Rick, very, Look at me. Very well Look done. Me. Look at us Very today. well done. <laughs> it is a Rick Springfield song. But no, but truthfully, yeah, I, I've been in situations where I can honestly say that, you know, 
I was in a relationship a long time ago, and that relationship I was comparing to other people and be like, those people seem so happy, and they seem to have such a great connection, and all they ever talked about was, you know, the fun that they had in their sex lives and how adventurous it was. And, you know, I was really young at the time. I wasn't as experienced, and so I was, like, very much like, I wish, you know, I could be doing those fun things too, uh, you know. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, my girlfriend would be like, can you believe they do all that crazy stuff? Like, I can't believe that I wouldn't want to do that. I was like, yeah, me neither. <clears throat> but I was kind of lying. But anyway, the point is that I get it. We We compare. We look kind of, you know, at other people and their relationships or single people that might be out there living the dream and you're in a relationship and they're having so much more fun than you. And and, and it can make you spiral. So how do yeah. we not spiral? Yeah. I'm well, so upset I, mean, I bumped my microphone. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think part of the not spiraling is starting to be like more honest with ourselves around the things that like maybe like some of the errors in the thinking that we have. Like we we often... Like we are all the hero and the villain of our own story. Truth. Right. Oh, so hashtag like, truth. Right. Like all of us move through this world from our own position of reality. Right. And in that position on some days we're like we're the hero. Right. That's like I'm right and everyone else is wrong. Right. right? And then <laughs> and then on other days. Right. Like we're the villain and we're like everybody hates me and I'm the worst. And, right. And that's normal. I want to say that that's a normal experience. Right. We all have that. I think what I'm talking about is when people start to get really stuck in those positions, right? Like a lot of us can kind of like shake out of it and be like, okay, well, maybe I'm being a little bit intense about this or maybe I'm being right. a little bit kind Looking of – Looking back in retrospect, maybe I was just overreacting maybe a little. Right. Yeah. And 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 I like – I think part of what can often happen with the – you know, that what we don't understand around comparison or when we're comparison or comparing things is that we're often being really narrow in our thinking, Right we tend to forget to compare things holistically and compare across a singular dimension of something, right? So it's typically something we're worried about. I know that, I'll try to explain what I mean. Yeah, I, I was going to say, because you said yeah. holistically, and I, all of a sudden I started thinking like crunchy granola and like being like, yeah, <laughs> like holistic medicine. Right, like, I'm really more talking about like people tend to take a singular thing that they're worried about and then like uh, generalize it to their whole life. So an example would be like, I'm not having sex with with someone right now, which basically means that, like, you know, I'm a terrible garbage person. Right. <laughs> like, right it's right. sort of like, right. Like, I'm not having this thing that I want to be having right now. And that means like this really global thing about me when really, if you sort of pan out, there might be like a thousand things that that person is killing it at in life right now. Right. right. They have like a bomb ass career. Right. And they have like really great friends and an amazing family, but they're getting overly focused on this one specific dimension and using that as sort of a measure of worthiness or a measure of worth. And why does that matter? Well, because what we think and what we believe, right, is part like that impacts how we behave. Right. So a lot of times when we really get stuck in like, let's say I'm not having sex right now or um, the person that I want to be dating right now is not wanting to date me. So I'm a garbage person or I'm terrible or whatever it might be. If somebody starts to really attach to those beliefs about themselves, it's going to impact how they behave, right? If someone really starts to see themselves as undesirable, then they're probably going to start to take less risks in dating. And if they take less risks in dating, that means that they're going to have less dates, which then starts to confirm the thing that they fear to believe true about themselves, right? right? So it becomes 
like a self-fulfilling prophecy. prophecy. Right. These beliefs then create self-fulfilling prophecies and it becomes really easy to get stuck in that cycle. I don't like, I legitimately have had thousands of conversations with people that are maybe stuck in some of those cycles. Like, you know, I can think of many conversations of like, people where really people were sort of not even realizing that they were sort of self-isolating, right? And it like maybe even began in adolescence, right? Where they were feeling a little worried about like, it's so easy to fall into these traps, right? Like they were watching their friends maybe have an easier time at dating. And then they started to develop this internal narrative, like, you know, and maybe their friends were having an easier time at dating, but they were getting straight A's and had, you know, a good family and good friends. And that person that was having an easy time at dating was also having a terrible time in school or had tons of insecurities about like their learning abilities or, right. you know, there was issues at home, but they were measuring on this one continuum. And then this narrative internally starts to develop of like, oh, I'm just not a desirable person. You know, the people that I'm interested in don't want to date me. So then they don't even try, right? They don't even try to start dating. And then they sort of self-isolate, right? Because it's like, see, people people don't date me. I'm just not a dateable person. And then I get into dialogues with people and I'm saying, well, what have you done? And it's like, well, I asked two people out over the last like five years. Well, okay. (laughs) Right. Which, and I understand. And that's not a judgment. It is really easy to get caught in these traps. This is a judgment free zone. Of course it's not a judgment. I mean, but you know, Five people in like, how, how many people do you say as a comparison? I mean, I'm just throwing it. I mean, I've had people say like two people in 10 years, Ooh, right? Yeah. I mean, some people that's probably a little on the extreme end, but some people being like, you know, I ask like a couple people out every year and I'm like, well, that's just bad statistics, right? right like, right. you know, I don't know if, you know, you may remember Jeremiah in a previous episode when we were talking about dating, it's a numbers game, it's right? A numbers it's game. a numbers game. Trust me. It's simple statistics, right? I like, remember every episode. I'm, I am an encyclopedia of the University of Pleasure episodes. Hit me with any question from any episode right now, and I could answer it for you directly. Well, I don't. Listen, don't worry about it. It's understand. I understand. You today. don't want to have to put yourself on the spot. <laughs> we'll I don't do wanna, it. We'll you do don't... that after the episode. How about that? Where I'm quizzing you. Okay. 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 Continue on. <laughs> How many, how, how, here's a question. How many times have I told you that you were wrong? <laughs> oh, uh, at least. <laughs> I want to say four times an episode, at least uh, on average. <laughs> this is episode 28. This is episode 28. So times 28 equals, <laughs> equals <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> Jeremiah's yeah. long. He's not, he's, he's wrong a lot. But that's okay because we're here to learn, Doc. So I take no shame in the fact that I, I am humble enough as a man to say that I'm not always right and I'm here to learn and grow. So and this is another great question. How many times have you talked about your humility um, in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I am. Listen, it's one not about day, me. I am. I am absolutely going to do a super cut at, <laughs> at some point, a super cut of you talking about how humble you are super humble. in episodes in a very self aggrandizing way. <laughs> I, I so look forward to that. And then make it yeah. my ringtone. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a Christmas I'm gift super to you. Humble. I'm humble. Anyway, I'm really back humble. to what we were talking about. Um, yes, of course. 
<laughs> was really just this idea of like, you know, that episode, like when we talked about it, we were talking about this idea that like you win more games if you play more games. Right. Yes. So like in baseball, I think was the example that I used. If you only, you know, if you yes, baseball, we were doing sports loss, analogies, which I was really proud of you about in that episode. Thank you. Right. Like in baseball, a loss is going to be felt less severely than in something like football. Right. Simply because they're playing like, I don't know, a billion games right. in baseball. Yes, exactly. Right? One billion and, games. But so if you're if you're playing a lot of games, those losses just aren't going to be felt as much. Right. But, you know, if you like to win more, you have to play more. Right. right. But if you play more, that also means you're going to lose more, which means you you have to have both. Right. You have to both learn how to, like, manage the wins and manage the the losses. The yin and the yang. Right. Exactly. And again, it's all easier said than done. But part of what happens is when people start to develop these kind of internal models of themselves and these internal narratives of themselves as somebody that's like unlovable, undateable, not desirable sexually to other people, it really does start to and can start to impact them the way that they behave because then they're not taking those chances. They're not playing the game. Right. And if you don't play the game, you cannot win. And so it it really can feed on itself and actually snowball for people a fair amount over time, which is part of why these beliefs matter, like being able to pan out and to say, like, am I being fair to myself and fair to the situation? Because when you widen that lens out, you can start asking yourself some more challenging questions like, right, like, am I really being fair to the situation or myself? Let me think about, you know, is this maybe an impermanent state? Like a really good example was the one that I just gave earlier around like when people are single and they don't want to be single, right? Or maybe people aren't having sex with people and they want to be having sex with people. It's easy to look around and to think about all of the people that are having sex and to be like, look at them, they're winning. And they're like forgetting that that person that they're comparing themselves to, you know, also has had probably periods in their life where they're not having sex or right. people didn't want to date them or weren't romantically interested in them. They're comparing on a singular data point rather than, and that's what I meant by holistically, rather than like panning out and, you know, trying to say like, oh, okay, well, maybe that person has also had a litany of experiences. Right. I know I said, I think I said in a previous podcast at some point, right? Like, People are diamonds, right? Not coins. They're not yes. one set, right? People are diamonds, meaning they're multifaceted and you put them and if you move them in the light, those facets are always, you know, changing and reflecting different colors. And so if you're trying to compare two diamonds, they're never going to look the same, right? That's the danger and the trap of comparison is that, you know, you're never going to be able to truly compare because people are just so different and unique that there's always going to be different dynamics that come into play and make it really hard to be like, yep, we did the comparison. And in the end, you are better. (laughs) (laughs) We've done the math and I have figured out you are absolutely a better human than me. There you are. And because people don't measure multidynamically like that, right? They often are just measuring on a singular thing, right? Or a couple of things. And that becomes really, really dangerous because it means that they're looking at other people as this sort of one dimensional thing, which is just not how we are as humans. I'm sorry, that was a really long psychological diatribe, but I am a psychologist. So listen, you know. I can cut a lot of it, to be honest with you. There was just. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, sometimes when I listen uh, to the the episodes, I'm like, man, I, I feel like I said more like, you know, things there. And, and it really just feels like Jeremiah talking more about himself <laughs> than I re- remember. What? what? 
I feel like I feel like I said more words in that. No, I would never. I would (laughs) never cut your very in-depth explanation. (laughs) Because, I mean, if my eyes are glossing over, then I know it's clearly important. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I do know. <laughs> this is we're really taking chunks out of each other today. I don't know what's going on. Look. <laughs> look. You know, sometimes I mean, this is the thing with relationships, doc. You know what I mean? There's ebbs and flows, right? Isn't that what you teach us, you know? People are Yeah. yeah. Today we are uh, on an ebb, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. So how do we how do we get out of this? How do we Give us some give us some useful tools. Give us like the this is the 30 second doc explanation of tools and tricks to get us out of the hardcore comparison, self-fulfilling prophecy bubble. Okay, so as I was just saying, I think one of the really important things is to pan out and to start asking yourself more challenging questions. Right. And. You know, like I was saying, am I being fair to the situation or myself and asking yourself, like, am I actually just in an impermanent state here? And I'm pretending like and I may be like not pretending, but I'm I'm kind of struggling with feeling like this is a forever state. Then also asking yourself, you know, am I contributing to this? Right. Like, you know, am I actually going out there and taking risks and trying to ask for the things that I want and need or trying to go after the things that I want and need? Or am I just sitting in my living room thinking about how nobody likes me and really struggling and feeling sad and self-isolating? And again, I don't I want to be clear. That is a hard, hard place to be in. And yes. sometimes it is very easy to get stuck in that. And I think every person at some point in time has gotten stuck in those places. But if you are really having a hard time getting unstuck, that is probably a time to really think about maybe seeing like a professional, right? Like going and talking to somebody such as myself. And, and I, cause I do think a lot of times, you know, life is unfair. Things, we had a whole episode about that. Totally unfair. Not about life being unfair, but sometimes things are, but sometimes things are going to feel really unfair, right? But there are ways that we do contribute to our own misery, right? Like, I do it every day. So I don't know how other people, you know, I think other people are probably also out there making choices and decisions, um, often probably because they're fearful or they're feeling bad or they just can't find the motivation, you know, to like take that risk. And if you are having a really hard time with that, like sometimes it is useful to get the feedback of another person. And again, if you're really stuck, a professional, but this is, I'm going to do my own segue. Oh, all right. This (gasps) is so exciting. This will be a really good time, though, to start talking about, which is our next segment, right, around also beginning to talk to other people like friends and stuff about your sexual experiences or about your romantic experiences, because a lot of times people are shamed. So they don't talk to other people about it. And when you don't talk to other people about it, that's part of what contributes to that feeling of isolation. And often when you start talking to other people about it, especially in a way that's a little bit more vulnerable or meaningful, people come out of the woodwork and you start to feel less alone. And like you're less of this just, you know, sad person that's sitting around that nobody wants to, you know, engage with or be sexual with or, you know, your belief that maybe you're not having you know, other people are just like, yeah, I'm also not having some of the sexual experiences. Yeah, I, I well, you you start thing. to realize that you're not the only one experiencing these types of feelings. That the that that if you if you start communicating with friends, 
and people you, you know you have tightly knit relationships with, and they might go, "Oh yeah, man, that's happened to me like a hundred times." Like, yeah, I, I'm going through yeah. the same kind of thing. Then you realize you're not sitting, you know, you're not, you don't start to spin and get caught up in this whole thing that it's only you. And I think uh, that's going to lead right into our next segment: the stranglehold of silence. <gasps> what does it mean? I don't know. Doc really didn't explain the segue. You didn't prepare for the episode. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't read the notes, Jeremiah. That's what happened. (laughs) When we come back. And we're back. Folks, I want to be very clear that I did read the notes, and what the doc said was a lie. Okay, you read you read the notes as you were turning on your microphone. That is that is a hundred percent true. But that doesn't. But what you you made it seem like I didn't read them at all. Okay, you read them not thoroughly. You I don't want to have this conversation I... in front of our fans. Okay, <laughs> I just want I just want to you know I want to keep helping people. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. So our next topic, the stranglehold of silence. Maybe you should talk to your friends about sex. Yeah. You know, I was actually really surprised to find out, in wholehearted honesty, the amount of people, you know, because we're in very, you know, you're in the field where that's what you do. You talk about difficult things, right? I'm in, you know, the entertainment business and people are a little bit more free, you know, a little bit more open a lot of the time in the uh, entertainment world. And I actually, you know, when we started doing the work on this episode, I was actually really surprised to find that people really do not talk about their sexual experiences with their friends very often outside of the world that you and I kind of live in. And I was, you know, (laughs) I had a friend that said something very recently about having sex with um, their husband. And they said it as if they were really embarrassed and or ashamed to ask my opinion on something because they know I'm a very famous uh, podcaster now and that I'm part of the University of Pleasure and, you know, I, I've learned so much and uh, just want to part, you know, take that knowledge and pass it along, you know. Yeah. So the – why are you rolling your eyes? I don't – under- I am looking for things on the ceiling as you're talking. <laughs> I lost something. Keep going. <laughs> but it's – very true. I was asked, and I was like, well, why? You've never talked about this before. And they were like, no, it's really hard to talk about that, you know, sexual things. And I'm like, you can talk to me about anything, you know. So it's not a rarity. And then the more we kind of delved into this, because uh, in full disclosure, folks, we talked about doing this episode a few weeks ago, and and uh, this is something that we're now doing in this episode. But in the research for it, it really was kind of surprising to come to this realization that people aren't walking around talking about cocks, dicks, pussy, blah, 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 as, you know, free-spirited as we do, Doc. Well, uh, yeah, but it's also complicated, right? Like, for a culture that's incredibly sex-focused, we comparatively 
speak very little about sex, at least not in meaningful ways, right? So people talk about sex all the time, but they talk about it in this very like glossy surface level kind of way. Are you having it? Are you not having it, right? People are often not talking about what people often aren't talking about are the things that aren't happening or the difficulties that they're having or the things that are hard. Good call. So it's not it's not that people don't talk about sex. It's that they're probably not often talking about it to the fullest degree of their experiences. They're you're giving pieces of an they're giving just like on social media, we talked about people getting edited versions of their lives. Oh, right? good way to bring it back full circle yeah. to the earlier part of the episode. <laughs> well done. Um, but people are giving maybe edited versions of things or glossier versions of things, you know, and leaving out the bits that are hard or difficult, or maybe they're worried that might be judged by other people. And so, you know, I think, you know, earlier, obviously in the episode, we're talking about comparison and you were asking like, what can help with that? And frankly, normalization, being able to like relate with other people and talk to other people and realize that they're having really similar experiences maybe to the experiences that you're having is an incredibly important experience and starting to feel less alone. Yeah, but how, right? do you, how do you kind of jump into that world? I mean, is it just like, do you have a tip, like a super hardcore pinky swear that we can do that like, you know, people aren't going to laugh or like divulge our secrets? No, I think that's the thing that's like the theme of probably every single episode is this idea that like you have to take some risks. And this is a complicated yeah, that's one. That's true. This is a really complicated one because and we'll get more into it as we talk on this topic, but I don't know we don't need to go quite down it right now, but Did you I know, jump too far a, ahead again? Yeah, I mean you always do, it's fine. Um <laughs> but <laughs> That's what happens when you don't read the notes. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, you know that people think that I really don't do my homework, and that's not true, even though I hate homework, and I would avoid it at all costs. But that's not the point. Continue on with what you were saying. Real quick question. How'd you do at homework in high school, Jeremiah? <laughs> homework in high school? Are you crazy? <laughs> did, you, did you do it? No. Okay. So would it be fair to assume you're still not doing your homework? What? <laughs> No, because now I'm a professional, Doc. I'm a yep, professional. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, you did skip ahead. But one of the things <laughs> that I was going to say about this is this idea that, like, it's also really complicated in many ways to talk about sex. And uh, I could go into we could talk about this for like 17 episodes because there's also different layers about like, who is it okay to, to talk about sex? What level is appropriate with certain people? You know what I mean? And we can kind of get into some of that, but like, for instance, you were talking about a friend and, um, I believe was, I understand were, were, is your friend a female identified? Yes, she was a female. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so like even there, there's some complexity as you were talking, right? Like you are a straight man. Yes. Last time I checked. Yeah. And I don't know your uh, friend's sexuality and that's not important, but like they're also like if she's a straight female or a female that likes men. Right. There's also maybe certain sets of questions and rules around like what level of talking to a straight man if you're a woman that likes men or vice versa. Right. Ooh, good call. I never thought about that. See, you really right, like what are. Right. What are the level of rules around like who you can and can't talk to? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? What's the right level to share? What's not? And so it is really complicated. And I think to a certain degree, that's also why people avoid it. Right. Like I think to a certain degree, um, it 
it's this piece of like, you know, maybe a culture of, you know, kind of shame and uh, judgment around sex and sexuality that's been very ingrained in at least our Western culture. Um, and that's part of what creates silence for people. But then there's also all these other layers of complexity that sometimes people are like, mm, who can I talk to in what way, to what degree of vulnerability that also makes it really hard. So it's a it's a multidimensional sort of struggle that Got we have it. in terms of figuring out how to talk. And I don't I want to be very clear today. I do not have the answers to all of those problems. What? How could you not have it, all the you're the doc? You gotta have the answers. Because as just like everyone else in this world, I am still learning too. So, you know. Okay. I respect that. Talk. I respect right. that you were open enough to admit that you're still learning. I am always still learning. That's fabulous. I am always still learning how to be patient with you, you know? What? It, what? Uh, it's a... I don't even know what to say to that. I'm Wait. getting, you know what? You're saying I don't read my notes, and you beat me up and tell me you're going to be patient with me. You know I'm what? I'm sorry. I'm humble. I said that I'm working on learning how to be patient with you. I'm probably a little <laughs> less condescending. It's, it's my... <laughs> it is... <laughs> one of the things that's on my, you know, in my, uh, in my, my planner, you know, my goals <laughs> for you. the year. I appreciate <laughs> that you continue to work to tolerate me. It is. Yeah, today I'm not doing a great job. So <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. It's, the fans out there, our listeners need more information here. Right. Help us out. Well, okay. I think that um, because of all of these things that I just mentioned, plus many more, right, it is hard for people to talk. But it is uh, it, there is a really big um, difficulty in that because that silence, right, creates and sustains a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment that people have because they can't. People often feel like, you know, trapped in that. That's like that stranglehold of silence, right? People often feel really trapped of like, I feel really alone, but I also don't know how to navigate conversations with other people about this. So how and do we break out of that? How do we, if somebody is really stuck in that stranglehold of silence, how do we, you know, are there any tick, you know, tips of the trade that you could impart? Right. I think I think a lot of times when we're trying to motiv motivate ourselves to do something, you know, it's much easier to work on thinking about what you can gain from taking a risk versus what you could lose. Sure. So, you know, we often in our fear think about what we might lose or the negative impact or the negative effects of like a risk we might take or an action that feels really vulnerable. But sometimes working to like actually sit down and think about what could I gain out of this? Like, so for instance, starting to think about like, all right, um, I want to talk to maybe a close friend that I trust about some of the things that I'm having a hard time with around like sex or sexuality or check in about like maybe their experiences and see what they have to say, thinking about what you might gain out of that experience. Like, oh, that might feel really relieving. I might, you know, I might find something out about that person that helps me feel a little less alone, right? Like, I think people often are, you know, we were talking earlier about biases. People are often also really biased to this idea. Like I said, that like they're, we're all the heroes and villains of our own story, right? Like that they're very alone in their experiences. And a really good example of this would be like, I do a lot of work with infidelity, 
right? Where sure. couples, right? Where someone has cheated. Um, maybe I'm working with a person who has cheated. Maybe I'm working with a person who's been cheated on, or I'm working on it as a couples issue, right? Sure. Couples. Yep. Makes sense. And one of the first things that I ask people is who knows, right? Who knows, like, especially like in a couple, right? Like who knows about what you're going through and people will, well, what's your guess, Jeremiah? Often n nobody. Yeah. Just us. Right. Well, there's a lot of trouble in that, right? Like, so if you think about something like infidelity, the person who's cheated and maybe has a lot of guilt or shame or complex feelings about that is like really alone in that. And the person who's been cheated on maybe is struggling with feelings like humiliation, anger, rejection, all these sorts of things. And they're feeling really alone in that. And who do they have to talk to about it? Right. Each other. Oh, right. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong. They're probably going to have to start, you know, talking to each other about it. But then there's also certain things that maybe you know, if someone's been cheated on, they're not really wanting to talk to their partner about at that point. In yeah, time. that's probably not something that they want to sit down and, you know, over a cup of coffee and have a chit chat about. Yeah. And so a lot one of, of her first, feelings, I would think. Yeah, especially if they're working on staying together as a couple. Right. Um, one of the first things that I often tell people is, well, we need to identify some people that you two can start talking to. And people look at me like I'm nuts. Like, are you kidding me? I don't want to do that from either end, right? Like the, if a partner wants, this is not a podcast about infidelity today, we can talk about that in another episode, right? But often the person who's been cheated on, if they're deciding to stay, feels like they'll be really, really judged for sure. that. And so sure, they might not want to, right? They might not want to talk to somebody about that. And obviously the person who has done the cheating is feeling like they're, you know, I mean, listen to a country song, right? It's not <laughs> like amazing. every every other one, right? Like right. it's not something culturally like you, if you're someone who has cheated and you're trying to work through it with a partner and you feel pretty genuinely bad and regretful about your behavior and you're moving through the world, you're going to see, you're going to be reminded of your mistake and how people feel about your mistake on every magazine cover on TV shows. You can't watch a Netflix show, right? This is right. The villainization of people who have cheated is a huge part of media. Right. Oh, and yeah. so, right. And so a lot of times people are really trapped alone. And so I really spend a lot of time working to get people to start to share with other people, their experiences. And when it comes to infidelity, I'm like, trust me, you're probably more than likely going to have an experience in which you're going to start talking to people. And this, I mean, I don't even know how many times this has happened, right? Where I'm like, you're going to start talking to people and you will be shocked at how many people in your world understand your experience because they have cheated or they yeah. have been cheated on. And people are like, I don't think so. And, and if I can get, I usually can, if I can get people to do it, they'll often come back and they'll be like, Oh my God. I just found out so-and-so had an affair. Right. I just found out that so, like, that my parents, right? I talked to my parents, and that they went through this. Yes. I, and people that are close to them, right? And it really, and people will often be like, I'm so glad I did that. I'm yep. so glad I started to talk Feeling to people about alone. that experience. I feel less alone. I feel less ashamed. I feel less, like, trapped. Right. And I know that I'm using kind of a more, like, I mean, it's a more extreme example, but it really starts to speak to this idea of like, you have no idea what is going on in other people's lives and people make all sorts of assumptions, but it's not until you actually start being vulnerable and sharing and asking questions that you start to realize that other people have also had struggles. Other people have 
also had difficulties. And it's very, I can't even think of a case where not necessarily just about infidelity, where I've been like, let's identify somebody or some buddies that you feel like you could talk to this about and trust. And you feel like it would be appropriate to talk to and, you know, not just a therapist, right. But other people, I've never had anyone come back. Maybe it'll happen in my career. Maybe it'll happen on Monday since I'm saying it today. Right. But like (laughs) you, you know, I think you can never like people have never had anyone come back and be like, that wasn't helpful. Right. I can't imagine that you would get people that would say that it wasn't helpful to know that they were less alone, that they weren't the only one who's gone through it. You know, I was uh, having a conversation with a friend recently about, um, you know, how I was going through a breakup years ago and it was, you know, I had been cheated on and I was heartbroken and like they went, dude, I went through, I literally went through that. Like, and it was brutal for me. And I, you know, I wish we, I had talked to you about this because I, and I was like, oh man, I wish you would have. I would have totally explained my experience. Like I went and like, we start going through, you start doing this compare and contrast. And it's like, dude, I felt that exact same thing. You are not alone. Like that is so exactly how I felt in that scenario or this scenario. So I think it's right. great. Get people to talk. Which, and how just, do we start? What do we do? Yeah. Well, but if I may, you just like. Remember that the title of this whole episode is the complexity of comparison, right? Remember at the beginning when I said that comparison isn't all good or it's all bad, right? Like earlier we were talking about ways that comparison can sometimes be really problematic, but then there are other ways that it can be really helpful, right? Like, and yep. you just gave a really good example, right? Thank you. Like Mark. when you, you're welcome. When you compare sort of, you know, in a vulnerable way, in a truthful way, right? Like when you're not just sitting alone in a room comparing with no one to get back from, right? That's a problematic way to compare. But what I'm talking about, like where you're sitting and having a dialogue with someone in a really vulnerable way, that is something that can be an incredibly helpful sort of thing because you feel less isolated. But yeah, how does, just back to your question, right? How to get started. I think part of it is like, you know, I always say this and I think it's not just about how we behave. It's also about how we think, right? really starting to shift the way that you think about, you know, how other people might feel talking about sex. I know I've said this before, but you would be shocked how ready and eager people are to talk about sex. You put me at any, well, not these days, but you put me at any dinner party or on an airplane and somebody (laughs) finds out what I do, what I do invariably. I don't, no, the last time I've been somewhere and someone hasn't started asking me really specific questions <laughs> about sex. I can only, right? seriously, people, I can only imagine. I can right, only people imagine. People are almost like buzzing with the energy. Like I really, I think of this dinner party. I was, it was like a, a dinner party I was at and one of my, my friends just loved to tell people I'm a sex therapist and then leave me. <laughs> yeah. And then just leave you out <laughs> and there. And then be like, and proceed. Mm-hmm. But I remember this gentleman uh, who like was like standing near me and was like, oh, well, I'm going to. I'm going to stay away from you. I don't want everyone always thinks that psychologists are analyzing everybody. I tr- promise me no psychologist I know wants to do that on their free time. We're not right. doing that. Um, <laughs> we're just humans engaging through life. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's like, I'm going to stay away from you. And then literally within 15 minutes, he came back and I am not shitting you with a list he had written down what? on a notebook Wow. <laughs> of questions wow. that he oh, had for me. He's like, I just have a few questions. I was thinking about him over here. <laughs> and he had 
written them down. Very nice gentleman, by the way, if he's listening, he's out there. And so, you know, what I'm saying, and we had a lovely conversation, mm -hmm. right? But it was, people are often, I mean, that's a little bit more on the end of like, he was very eager, but like lots of people are just buzzing with that, right? Because lots of people don't have a chance to talk about it. Again, sometimes also not in particularly meaningful ways. When I say talk about it, it is telling your friends like, oh, I got laid last night. That's not a meaningful conversation. That's, yeah, that's not the sex. dialogue we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, just you confirming you had sex. That's right. Like, that's, that's you just, that's, you know, you make, you're like showing the like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Pat myself on the yeah. back. Pat me on the back. I did great. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of how to get started with more meaningful dialogue, I think one of the things is that you have to take some kind of leap, right? The things that I do that other people may or, and to be fair, right, this isn't because I'm just so brilliant at it. It's because I've had a ton of practice, right? I practice this every day where I just ask or I just say something and a conversation begins, right? Like it, someone has to take the leap. So one of the things is, is that you do have to be a little brave. And one of the things I always like to remind people of, even myself, is that bravery is not what occurs in the absence of fear or discomfort. It is what occurs in spite of it, yes. right? Bravery is not like, I feel totally relaxed and fine, and now I'm doing a thing. No, that's called just doing a thing. Bravery is like, I'm scared shitless. I feel really nervous about this, but I'm going to go I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I'm going to do it anyway, right? That is what bravery is. People are often like, oh, I'm just not a brave. Like, I, I'm, I'm scared, so I can't be brave. And I'm like, being fearful is part of being brave. It's yes. like inherent in the act, right? That's correct. So as I say, be afraid, do it anyway, right? If you're waiting to not be afraid or to not be nervous about something, you're going to be waiting a long time because that's a really normal part of just being a human. Um, the other thing when I was talking earlier about what can you do, starting to think about like what you can gain out of it. It can be a lot of fun to talk about sex with others. And also not very freeing, I would think, yeah. you know, very yeah. freeing to know that you're not alone and that other people, oh man, I totally had that happen or totally experienced that. Oh, I like literally word for word of what you said is exactly how I felt when that happened to me. I mean, that's gotta right. be just like, oh, I feel 50 pounds yeah. lighter emotionally. But it actually can be just sort of like a fun joining experience, right? Like, you know, I was talking about something much more serious, maybe around like sharing a difficult experience about like cheating on someone or infidelity, right? Or shame. But like, it can also be like, oh my God, last night I tried dirty talk and I said the dumbest thing and now I'm totally right. freaking out about it. And then you have a good laugh with a friend that's like, oh, oh my God, one time I totally said this crazy thing and right. that was just like hilarious. And then all of a sudden people are sharing stories of like the funny mistakes that they make, which in my opinion is incredibly helpful because that starts, you know, to let people know that like, Sex isn't as serious as it needs to be. Everyone has silly, stupid things that occur, and it allows people to feel a little less worried about making mistakes, you know, Agreed. which is something that we talk about all the time. Um, one of the other sort of things is thinking about ways that it can allow you to feel more comfortable in your sexuality in general, right? Like, if you're out there starting to talk to people about your experiences, you're also just practicing talking with people that may, when the pressure's off, right, like a friend, when the pressure is off around like what you like, what you don't like, which is going to make it a million times easier with a partner, right? Agreed. Which is something that we talk about constantly on this podcast, yep. right? That if you want to have hot, fun sex, you need to be talking. Yep. I mean, I mean, if it's by yourself, then, you know, just think about well, it. But like, also, <laughs> just always just talk to your hand. 
Talk I mean, to the hand. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Continue. I apologize. Uh, the other benefit, right, that you when I say talking about games, thinking about, like, talking to friends about sex can also help you get new ideas, right? Like, oh, oh never yeah, never thought, thought about that. that. That's a good right? call. Comparing and just being like, oh, hey, you ever done that? Oh, I've never even thought about trying that. Hey, now. Yeah. And it can help you build on your own sexual enjoyment and experiences yep. with others. But it is a tricky tightrope to walk for sure, because you have to be mindful of not being like you like if you're engaging a dialogue with a friend and you're like, oh, no, they're doing all this stuff. I'm not. And you don't say that or you don't talk about that because that's then you could do that kind of comparison trap that we were talking about earlier. Right. Where you walk right. away. Being, Start going oh. down that rabbit hole. So if you're going to do it right, what are the what my biggest tip to do it is do it authentically. Right. If somebody is talking about something and you're starting to worry, say it out loud. Be like, oh, my God, I'm really worried because it sounds like you're having that same person might be like, oh, my gosh, do you know how long it took me how to learn how to do that? Or do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. or, oh, and and that I think if you're if you're going to have these kind of conversations trying to kind of go all in. Right. And what I mean by all in is like I'm going to try to be vulnerable and transparent in these conversations with other people. But the other tightrope is kind of what I mentioned earlier. You know, you also have to have good boundaries. You need to like know your audience. Yeah. And this is such a longer dialogue. Than uh, we, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think we can get into it in other episodes, but I think you're right. You got to have good boundaries and you got to know who you're talking to. Like some people, you know, may be able to talk about things in a certain way and other people may not. And also, you know, probably not good to sit down with somebody at work and have that conversation. Probably better yeah, a friend outside you know, of work or, you I, know. I wouldn't just blast it out with a coworker or like your friend's spouse, you yeah. know, like things that yeah, might. A couple glasses of wine. Like, yeah, yeah it's probably not good. Like, like especially like let's say it's like someone else's partner or someone that maybe, maybe you're in a relationship, but you know, it's a, it's a friend that you actually do, you know, have attraction to or a bit of a crush on. Yeah. That, that's like, definitely bad. You know what I'm saying? That's a little bit of a dicey game to yep. start to play. Yep, yep. So yep. I think being thoughtful about what you're sharing and with who is important, but there's probably lots of people in people's world worlds, right? Like a really good friend that, you know, like if shit really went down in your life, they would be there and they would support you. Like those kind of people are really good people to start with, right? Like I wouldn't start with my brand new friend that I met a few weeks ago. And you know, like, <laughs> that's not who I would start with. I would start with someone that you feel like, you know, and again, if you don't feel like you have anyone like that in your world, like it's also really easy to find a therapist and talk to somebody people often. And, you know, to start working some of that stuff out, people often, you know, in my profession, people often are like, I need to have a massive problem to talk to a therapist. Nope. No, you don't. Right. I mean, it's sort of the same as saying, like, I need to be horrifically out of shape if I'm going to go to the gym. Right. Right. Like, right. sometimes you go to the gym to prevent that. getting out of shape. Right. Right. Like, or, to, yeah. to benefit your health. Right. Because, you know, it's good for your heart, not because necessarily there's some type of crisis that you're trying to solve. And so that is just also sort of a stigma about therapy that I think is also straight up, you will be in therapy for much less time. Yes. If, you go, if, you, yeah, if you go before it gets really, really bad. Right. And when do people normally come to therapy? When it's bad. When, when it's really bad. It's sort of the same as like being like, hey, if you have an infection, 
go to the doctor when you notice it, not when your arm is almost going to fall off. Right. Like, and, and I think people for, and because of stigma around therapy and mental health, which is, you know, something obviously that I care deeply about, like this idea of like, we all struggle, we all have problems. And, you know, even if the struggles are minor, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not worth talking to someone about. And frankly, it can be incredibly helpful to be proactive around that. So there you go. And I just want to thank the doc as always for giving such great advice because we have come to the end of this episode because I did read the notes, even though she says I didn't read the notes. And I know that now me, me we're kind of at the protest. end. Me thinks thou doth protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, there are like a bunch of theater nerds out there. They're like, that's not actually what that quote means. <laughs> <laughs> You are Cativo core composer. Uh, um, thank you so much to all of our listeners as always. Hopefully this gave you a little pleasure in this crazy time. And uh, we hope that you are all staying safe and healthy. And uh, thank you to you as always, Doc, for putting up with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. 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 Anyway. Take care, everybody, and we will be talking to you again in a week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. <laughs>